I'm excited for today for, for a couple of reasons because um, we have been in our series now for six weeks. This is the final message of our series in something that our whole Alliance family has been doing all around the country called 40 Days of Prayer. And there's two specific things that I'm really excited about as we wrap up the series part and we get into the final seven days of the devotionals. And that is this. Always during a time of uh, January for us as a church, we tend to slow right down. And you may not have noticed the slowdown considering we were already slow since last March, right? But we always slow down after the busyness of Christmas, after Thanksgiving and our uh, fall festival outreach, and we slow right down so that we can start off our year well and reconnect with God. And we often take 7, 14 days. This 40 days has been really impactful. If you remember all the way back from when we started, we talked first about the holiness of God. And if you don't understand who God is, the holiness of God becomes something that we hide from. And yet, from God's word showing us who God is, we understand that it's something that God extends to us, that it's not something that we have to fear, it's something that can change us, it's something that we can embrace Because he offers it to us as we just celebrated in communion that when Jesus died for us, he becomes our substitute. He takes on our sin and he offers us his righteousness, a relationship with God. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are new in Christ. We are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. That's the holiness of God as we see it offered to us through forgiveness and mercy Through Jesus Christ. And of course, that leads us to repentance, which is not a, I'm sorry God. It is a turnaround, a change in our life, a change in our behavior, something that God wants to help us to see that going our way is not as good as going His way because He knows what's best for us. And so how do we do that? How do we we begin to see that come about in our lives? We don't have to fight and go through it alone because we learned in the third week about spirit empowerment that the spirit comes and indwells within us giving us a freedom from our desire to walk this way and it gives us a freedom and a a momentum and a desire to walk in God's ways and he empowers us to know God's will, to know God's mind, to help us to understand how we are to live. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God's desire is to turn us into witnesses simply by telling the stories that God has given us. He raises up evangelists in us, but there's ways to do that if we're scared of that word evangelism. Start by praying for others who are sharing their faith. And as we pray for others, our own motivation to share our faith gets larger and larger and larger. And then we witness in such a way that we don't ruin our witness. Our our language, our words is always to be seasoned with salt so that we know how to answer everyone. We gain this view that no matter how people might stand against what we know is true, we understand who they are and we have a larger picture of what God wants to do. And we become... Less interested in making a point 
and more interested in making a difference. Especially when it comes to marginalized people as we learned last week. We learned that we have a just God who always looks after his people and so we can always be praying to not give up praying when we are marginalized, when we don't receive the justice that we deserve. And by extension, we can then offer that to others who are marginalized and who are not getting the justice that they deserve. I've been excited for this whole time because what we've learned over these past five weeks is basic Christian theology. This is what it means to be a Christian. And not by, here's all of the things you do. That's not what I mean. This is what Christians get to experience. That's what I mean. You get to experience the holiness of God. You get to experience a turnaround in your life. You get to experience the joy of being His witness of telling your story. You get to experience the Spirit's empowerment in your life. You get to experience standing with and seeing God answer prayer for marginalized people who need justice, whether that's you or someone else. It's an experience of an incredible relationship. These are the basics of what it means to be a Christian. That's the one reason I'm excited. The second reason I'm excited because it's not just been a theological discussion on the experience of every Christian. It's actually been my personal experience over the past six weeks. This past uh, Tuesday, as I normally do, I take a, a, what I call a seek day. Uh, my work week goes from Tuesday through Sunday. And so I take Mondays off, and normally when I come back into the office on Tuesday, there's papers, there's emails, there's all sorts of things that need to be done. But the first Tuesday of the month, I put all that aside. Phone's off, social media's off, I get away, just me and my Bible and my journal, and I listen, and I seek God. And this past Tuesday was amazing. I can't tell you everything that happened on that past Tuesday, uh, but as I was reading God's word and dialoguing uh, with him and having a conversation with him in prayer, he said a clear word to me. It may sound odd, but God does speak from time to time in the spirit of where you are, of who you are, and he just said, trust. Trust. Trust the process. Trust that I'm in it. Trust that what you are doing, what you are doing uh, and setting in motion for the church is good. I'm in it. I'm there. Trust. And I believe that the 40 days of prayer helped to create fertile soil for me to be able to hear from the Lord. It was as if the 40 days of prayer and taking that time of intentionally seeking God, of hearing Him, of... of Enjoying his clear, audible voice in the depths of my soul was like setting the table. All of that time of prayer during those, uh, those 33 days leading up to, or however many days it was up to Tuesday, just was setting the table for God providing food for my soul. So I've been really excited because it's been a reminder that the Christian experience is not uh, the Christian life is not just a set of doctrine, but it's an experience of God in a personal way. And I experienced that in a personal way these past few weeks. Did that happen to you? Has that happened to you over these past few days? Maybe yes. Maybe no. 
You don't have to say yes because you're in church. You can say, no, I I didn't, and and I want to talk about that. If the answer is yes, then here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to watch for the email that is coming this Friday because we're going to be giving you a way for you to share what God has been saying to you over these past 40 days. We want to celebrate with that, that with you. Our elders want to come around what God's been saying to you, support you in that, to pray for you in that. We want to come alongside. So there's going to be a way for you to share that story. So watch for that email. Again, it's just kind of a commercial for signing up for our email blasts that happen every Friday. So I hope that you'll do that. Go to our website. Look for how do we sign up for weekly emails. Click that link. Give us a name and an email address and we're on our way. But what if your answer is no? What if you didn't participate? What if you didn't hear from God even though you did participate? I want you to know and I want to share with you something amazing. That the time is coming when God will speak to you. And I want to share with you how that can be true for you as we wrap up our series. Because you can experience what I've experienced, what others have experienced since we started our series on June 2nd or 3rd, think 2nd. You can experience what I've experienced, what I've enjoyed over these last number of days, these last 33 days, can be your joy as well. The question is, how? I'm going to give away the answer like right up front of the sermon so if you're watching online please stay watching (laughs) we're not you need to know how this works I'm just going to give you the answer though but it's by listening to the stories of others when you start to listen to the stories of others and I mean truly listen it begins to do something in your life that allows you to experience the personal relationship with God that is the birthright of every Christian Something happens when we listen to the stories of others. Something happens when we listen to them. We become empowered to experience what they've experienced. We know this to be true from other places besides sort of church world, besides Christianity and sometimes the bubble in which we live in, right? Because we see this in things like support groups. We see this in... uh, Groups that uh, people are trying to break addictions or people are trying to lose weight or people are trying to learn a new skill. They'll go and they'll uh, join a group where there are some people who have some stories to tell and they'll tell some stories of, hey, I was once like that or hey, I, I was where you were at one point and this is how I overcame that. And you start to experience something that, well... It does something in you that encourages you to take something on, to keep going, or to make the change, and it opens you to give you that same experience. And it all centers around missions. The same principle that when we listen to the stories of others in say a support group or when we're starting to learn a new skill like I want to learn to play an instrument or I want to learn to to sew, I want to learn how to have a good garden, uh, I want to learn how to weight lift well. All of those things are active in the world of missions. 
world missions, world evangelization, and it's true for alliance missions as well. That principle is true. And it has everything to do with how you are encouraged, rather, you are inviting and inviting something to happen when you listen to the stories of others. That may not make a lot of sense, I know. So let me show you what I mean in Scripture. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to the story of Acts, the birth of the church. And in Acts chapter 14, we, re- we start in verse 26, and we just kind of see this really, really interesting thing uh, that happens. Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 26 says this. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed on the, to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now that seems like something boring, but if you know what has just happened in the other two chapters, you know that to sit there and to be in this moment and to hear what these two men, Paul and Barnabas, were about to tell them would have been mind-blowing. Because as I said, this is the story of the birth of the church. And the church has gone out from the nation of Israel, the area of Judea, and has gone to pagan land. It's gone to the land of the Gentiles, people who weren't born into the nation of God, people who did not follow God's laws. They believed in Jesus Christ in his death. They believed that God raised him from the dead. And the Holy Spirit was being poured out on them without following the Old Testament ritual laws. You see, this little section of verses is actually at the end of what we would now call the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas were meeting with the church in Antioch. They were praying. And at the beginning of chapter 13, we read that um, the Holy Spirit came and said, send these two men out. I want them to go to different cities and tell other people about what Jesus has done, that he's died for their sins and that God raised him from the dead. And I know you have some time this afternoon, so uh, whereas we don't have the same amount of time this morning, so... I would encourage you to read chapters 13 and 14. I mean, I know it's going to take you away from the pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-game show, uh, but you are more than welcome to uh, grab your Bible and read it because it has things that you just don't see in church much of, right? What are the things that we see? Just give you some highlights. In one city... The first city they go to, a sorcerer, a man there, they call him a sorcerer, so a practice of magic, tells Paul to his face, you're lying about the gospel. You're lying. It's not true. And he tries to convince the leader of that city to turn away from faith. And Paul says, stop trying to twist others with your lies. You are trying to blindly lead people away, so you are going to be blind. He just declares it. And the man becomes blind. And he can't see. And the whole city's amazed. He goes to the next city, and in two meetings, the whole city shows up to hear the gospel. 
Imagine that happened here in Rochester. How many people live in the city of Rochester proper? About 700,000 or so? Is that about right? And then 1.1 million in the area of Monroe County? We actually hear that the whole city showed up. Where do you put 700,000 people in Rochester? What do you do? Yet all these people came to hear what Paul and Barnabas were saying. And it spread to all of the countryside, the whole region. There's stories of just miraculous signs and wonders without a lot of detail. Supernatural acts of God backing up the claim that Jesus died for them and God raised him from the dead. There's fantastic plot twists of political plots where they try to murder Paul and Barnabas. There are leaders in the cities, leaders in the areas, in the regions where they want them gone and they're just going to kill them in the dead of night. And they learn about them and they're on the run for their lives. There's a healing of a lame man who had never walked a day in his life. But just Paul saying in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he walks. And there was one story as they kind of culminate where all of the people gathered together because of the power that God was displaying through Paul and Barnabas, they thought Paul and Barnabas were gods. And they worshipped them. And they're like, stop worshipping us. We're just a conduit. We're the hose that the water's going through. Don't take that to mean that they're hosers. Thank you. And they, they're, they're just experiencing the power of God. They're just, this is, this is just flowing through them. And, it's, and that's just in two chapters. Imagine, imagine, as the church is getting started, you get to be part of that. Hey, we want to give a report on how our missions trip went. And this is what happened. This is what we saw. That's what missions does. When you get involved in missions, what you experience and what you do is that you are inviting God into your own journey. When you get involved in missions, you get to see firsthand or through the stories of others things that are unexplainable except only God. Only God could have called all those people together. Only God could have caused that one man who stood against his truth to go blind. Only God could have rescued Paul and Barnabas from a political plot to kill them. Only God could have healed that lame person to walk. Only God could have protected them as they were tried to be put on a pedestal. And if you want to experience more of God in your life, You want to see more of God's power and presence in your life. Get more involved in missions. Start to hear the stories. Start to to do that because when you get involved in missions, you are opening up an invitation for God to allow you to see what He is doing. We see God's power when we are involved in God's work. That's why we serve in ministries. That's why the church is often about asking you to get involved in a ministry. At our church, we have five keystone ministries. Sunday mornings, groups, kids ministry, youth ministry, and missions. And we invite people to get involved in some aspect in all of those things. Why? Because we want you to see the power of God at work. And there's no ministry like missions that allows you to see the miraculous like missions does.
We see growth. When I served uh, in Myanmar with Crosstalk Global, I got to hear stories of what God was doing in countries around the world. As our founder would travel from place to place, he would speak in different areas and he would see ministry happening. He told a story about one time he was invited to speak to a mass gathering in India outside one of the major cities. A number of the poor were coming and there were thousands and thousands of people. You couldn't see the end of the crowd. It looked like a rock concert, he said. And after the speaking... Um, he was finished and they had a time of prayer and healing and intervention for the crowd. And I'm not kidding you, this is what was happening. There were so many people lining up for healing that there was no way for the leaders of the organization to pray for them all individually. So what they did was they gathered them in groups and they had like a dime store spray bottle. That's it. And they put in a little oil, they put in a little water, nothing magical about the oil, nothing magical about the water. I'm not sure if I wanted to be sprayed with water from India at all. And they took out this spray bottle and they just sprayed it over the crowd and said, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And they walked on and people were being healed miraculously. He couldn't believe it. This is a preaching professor of one of the leading schools in North America. And he was, just couldn't believe what he was seeing. Because you just don't see that. Unless you're involved in God's mission. Unless you're involved in missions outside of your culture, outside of your comfort zone. That changed him, changed his whole emphasis on seeing the... You get to experience that. You get to experience the stories of what God can do, his power and his presence in no other way like you can in missions. You are giving an invitation to God to get involved in your spiritual journey when you get involved in missions, when you hear the stories of people who are involved in missions. We gain God. When we get involved in his work. We gain God. And our challenge is, of course, that what we often do with God in North American Christianity is that we compartmentalize him, right? He's like a spot on the shelf, on the bookshelf for us. And this is the place where we put the God stuff. But here's the place, here's the shelf where we put the family stuff. And here's the place where we put the work stuff. And here's the place where we put the hobby stuff. We... We don't see God because we try to put God on a shelf. We try to put God in a box. And baby can't put God in a box. Neither can a Christian. And God wants to introduce us to so much more. And missions is the best place for us to do that. Because not only... Do we invite God into our own spiritual journeys? Something else happens when we start to hear the stories of missions. This amazing change was really amazing and and just so supernatural and so miraculous that naturally there were a number of people concerned saying, wait, is this something of God? Is this something that God is actually doing or is there another force at work here? And so in Acts chapter 15... They come together in a council. 
All the church leaders come together to investigate whether these transforming stories of the mission to the Gentiles is actually of God or actually of someone else. And both sides presented their case. There were a group of believers who said that, no, they need to follow the law of Moses too. And Paul and Simon Peter stood up and said, but here's all the evidence of all the life change that we're seeing just from people saying that they believe that Jesus died and that God raised him from the dead and that their sins have been paid for. They have received the Holy Spirit. Who are we to argue against that? Both sides came up. And we read in verse 12 that the leader of the church, James, says this. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. They knew that this was going to be promised in Scripture. So James says this, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them. We should write. Telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. And here's what I want you to see about that. You just don't invite God into your spiritual life, into your spiritual journey. When you get involved in missions just by hearing the stories, like the council did, like James did, he realized that God was inviting him into God's spiritual journey. Not only is it an invitation from you to God, God, please get involved in my life. I want to know your presence and power. It is an invitation from God to you to get involved in His spiritual journey. You see, we just don't invite God into our lives. God invites us into His life, into His spiritual direction. He invites us into the unfinished stories of individuals, communities, and peoples whom He loves. We get invited to get involved. It could be writing to support those who have come to faith in Christ. It could be praying. It could be serving those who are there. It could be giving to support their ministry. It could be sending more. It could be going yourself. The invitation propels us to pray, to serve, to send, to support those who have been called to take the gospels to the region beyond. The invitation comes from God himself. And we all know how good it is to receive an invitation, right? As a matter of fact, all the big moments of life, the things that bring you the most joy, are because someone invited you. 
Let me give you some examples. Do you remember what it was like when you were invited to the other kid's birthday party? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like to receive that invitation? There could only be so many guests at the person's house, but you're the one who gets the invite. You get to go. Maybe it was um, something a little later in life. Maybe it was an invite to the high school dance. Someone wants you to go with them. Or when someone asked you, invited you, to go on a date. Or when someone invited you to spend the rest of your life with them. Remember that feeling? It was an amazing feeling to receive that invitation. All your emotions, child, youth, adult, are through the roof. Because it's amazing to receive an invitation. It means that someone has noticed you, someone wants you, someone cares for you, someone desires you. Maybe those things aren't what you think of. Maybe you think of getting that award at school. You are chosen to represent them. You're picked for the team. You're picked for the play. Or maybe it's you're chosen for the scholarship. Or you get that letter to go to that school that's really hard to get into. It's the school that you wanted to go and they are choosing you. They send you a letter that says, we want to invite you to register and be a part of our community. Do you remember what it was like to get the invitation to work for someone? Do you remember what it was like to get that letter, to get that phone call? You've got the job and you're invited to take it. Do you want it? You're excited about that. You're excited about that opportunity. You want that. Or maybe it's that promotion. All sorts of people are up for that promotion. But they choose you. They invite you to take on additional responsibility. To have additional pay. To lead people. To lead the organization in new ways. What an amazing thing to receive an invite. I remember when I got an invite to be on a panel to talk about the impact of my seminary back in Canada when I was getting my master's degree. Every school uh, that's an evangelical seminary needs to be accredited from an organization called ATS, the Association of Theological Schools. They have a set of standards for education and training and ministry as well as a uh, code of behavior and character as well as a statement of faith that every school has to uh, adhere to. And it's one thing for all of the leaders to say, this is something that we do. This is something that uh, everyone does. It's another thing for the students to say that. And so I was invited to be part of a panel to say, this is the kind of difference that my school is making and to show how they are following the rules and the guidelines to be a part of this association. That may not be exciting to you, right? Like That's kind of like taking a survey. You've been chosen to be a survey. I, I get that. 
But what I didn't know was when I took this opportunity, said, I'd love to, I'd love to talk about this because I want to talk about the importance of preaching and training more people to preach from the school. I think it should be a required class for everyone. I was on kind of my horse on that one. And so I didn't know that one of my ministry heroes was going to be representing the ATS group, a man named Walter Kaiser Jr. How many of you have ever heard Walter Kaiser's name before? Well, Krista, you can put your hand down. That's cheating. (laughs) No one, right? Nobody knows who Walter Kaiser is. Walter Kaiser is not a well-known preacher or someone who's kind of in sort of the Christian popular circles of today. He's not a musician. But anything you've ever learned out of the Old Testament, he's had a hand in. Walter Kaiser was the leading Old Testament scholar in the Western world. He had written Old Testament survey that was standard for each student who was going through that class. I knew him. I liked his communication style. I knew that he was the president of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary at the time, and I couldn't believe that he was sitting in that room. And as we talked, and I talked about, you know, why I think preaching should be that thing, all of a sudden he lit up. I didn't know that. He was also a fan of preaching. And he was also a a student of the same professors that I had learned under and that I had been taught in the books that I had read. And so we really resonated. We really hit it off. I could not believe that by just simply accepting that invitation, I would get to meet one of my ministry heroes. The same is true when you accept the invitation to get involved from missions. You get to receive the, you get to get the invitation and you get to meet the hero of all of history in a personal way. You get to spend time with God himself. And I know when you hear things like, I want to invite you to get involved, to get into this group, to do this thing at church, to give to missions, to get on Alliance missions, to pray for these missionaries, you just think, man, I'm so overloaded. But I want you to understand that God has chosen to reveal himself through his work in such a specific way that no other ministry can compare. This isn't like that key you get in the mail that says, bring it to the dealership and we'll tell you what your prize is. Right? You do what I do. You take that and you throw that directly in the trash because you think you're about to get the old uh, double bait and switch. You're going to get the, uh, uh, this is the one thing we promise you, but actually it's this and you have to buy something. And you... No, 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 no. God is simply giving you an invitation to allow you to become part of His story in the same way that you give Him an invitation to come into your story. The two things are secular because you know what happens when we hear stories of what God has done around the world? We give and we gain an invitation to experience God personally. Your story can be part of God's story. Story of missions is a cycle. First, you invite God into your story. Lord, bless my life. Lord, bring me power in my life. Bring me uh, uh, fulfilling, uh, fulfill, fill me with your spirit. Empower me in that way. And you begin to see that in missions as you're involved in his work. 
But then also God invites you into his story. He uses you to encourage and empower and equip the gospel of Jesus all around the world. And you become part of the story that God is telling. And the reason why some people don't realize this, the reason why this is such a challenge to us is that we always make ourselves the center of our own stories, right? And what the understanding of the Christian life, this theology that we've been talking about, this experience of the Christian life is that it's not about us. It's about Him. Our stories are for 70, 80, 90 years and then they're done. And in a generation or two, we are forgotten. But when God gives you an invitation to be involved in His story, you become part of something that is eternal. Because all of history is His story. Your story can be a part of God's story. As we wrap up our series, let me just ask you, this do you like the direction of your story would you like your story to be more because it can be when you don't make it about you when you make it about history his story Maybe what you're looking for in your story is a deeper daily experience of the power and the presence of God in your life. You can have that. Maybe you'd like to experience what God is doing around the world. You can have that because there's the power of the invitation. And it starts when you say yes to His global mission. I would challenge you and encourage you and implore you to get involved in Alliance missions. You can start by discovering the stories in Alliance Mission. You, you can go to their website, cmalliance.org, and you can begin to read about what God is doing all around the world. There's videos, there's a magazine that you can get for free called Alliance Life. You can sign right up, you can sign up for that right on their website. And then take the step of starting to pray for missions, give to missions, send people on mission. Go yourself on a short-term mission because you can be part of what God is doing. When you get involved in missions, you give God an invitation into your life to experience His power. And God gives you an invitation to become part of what He's doing. Your story can be part of God's story simply by saying yes to, a mission, to Alliance Missions, to missions. How will you respond to his invitation? Would you like to invite him into your life? Alliance Missions, missions is the answer. Some questions for you as we close. You'll be able to discuss them in your groups this week. Journal about them this week. They're going to be on our website for uh, where this message is located. You'll find them in the sermon notes. Here are the three questions you can wrestle with this week. Here they are. Have you ever been on a missions trip? If so, what was it like? What stories come to mind when you think of what God is doing in the world? What stories come to mind when you think of what God is doing 
through Alliance Missions. Let's start to tell those stories. Let's learn and discover what God is doing in missions because that opens an invitation for us to experience God more and to be involved in the story that he's telling, which is so much greater than ours. Let me pray for you as we close. Jesus, thank you so much for our uh, time together today. I pray, Lord, that you would open our heart, that you would open our mind, and that you would help us to invite you to be more than just a compartmentalized God in a box. We long for your power. We long for your filling. We long for your presence in a deeper way in our lives. And there's no greater place for that than where you are working. We're on a spiritual journey, but would you forgive us for the times that we've made our spiritual journey the center of history? Because you are also on a journey, you are also on a spiritual journey, and your story is all of history. What you are doing is amazing. And we long to be a part of that. So Lord, as we, as we wrap up our 40 days of prayer, would you speak to each and one of us about how to answer the invitation that you are giving us and may you give us courage to invite your power and presence into our lives. All because we took a further step to get involved in your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.